Hello, you're listening to EG's Investing Through Auctions podcast series. In this episode, the future of auctions. Is it in or out of the room? I'm Piers Weiner, And I'm joined by Richard Adamson, partner at Allsop, uh, John Hearn, sales and acquisitions at Mountview Estates, and Giselle Patel, principal at Prideview. Um, so that's that's a very loose introduction for all three of you. Um, Giselle Patel, uh, Jess, for those of you who don't know, what, what's your connection to the world of auctions? Uh, I've, I've pretty much grown up buying and selling in auctions for the last 16 years. Um, we buy for ourselves, we buy on behalf of clients, uh, mainly commercial, I'd say 95% of it is commercial property, um, but we've been quite wholesale with the number of transactions we've done. Um, typically used to be maybe 70, 80 a year. We're probably right. down to about 20 or 30 transactions a year now. Um, but yeah, still still quite active and missing the room. And John, John Hearn, um, how about you? How many lots have you bought? Um, bought and sold this year is in the hundreds. Um, so yes, we're pretty big buyers at auction. So yeah, but we we buy a, a specific thing. We we buy tenanted properties and sell vacant properties. Got a good view of the market. And uh, Richard, Richard Adamson, um, you're a partner and a gavel wielder at Allsop. Um, is there anything else that I could add to that thumbnail sketch, or are you happy with that? No, I think it's absolutely fine. <laughs> I've been an auctioneer at Allsop for 20 years, um, and I've been an auctioneer for the best part of 14, 15 of them. Um, so I've been on the rostrum. I've dealt with online sales for a number of years as well. Um, so I think in terms of experience of both models, I've got a reasonable amount of both. Great. Well, let's let's crack in then, because this is this is fascinating. This uh, this change that happened in the last 18 months of seeing what is a predominantly in the room activity become entirely online and entirely virtual and then now we're seeing a sort of a an interesting hybrid so let's just unpackage that Richard could you could I start with you can you just take us through what the situation was before the pandemic what what were you used to what sort of proportions of either would we be looking at good question in terms of the proportions on it so obviously pre-pandemic I'd say probably 90 95 percent of property auctioneers were held in room that said, they were still what we'd deem as multi-channel. So people still had the ability to bid online, to bid on the telephone and, and proxy bid by post as well. So it was multi-channel. Then obviously the pandemic changed everything for everybody and very, very quickly. So we switched online. I mean, without going into too much detail, it was a big challenge. We had a 300 lot residential catalogue out and 150 lots out for commercial at the time. I had to flip the switch to go online within seven to 10 days. Um, that has become a single single auction platform in terms of the only way to bid on those platforms is online only. Well, that's, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Richard. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's stay in the past. <laughs> You're saying that they, they were um, multi-channel. Again, go, looking at proportions, um, are we still thinking that, that predominantly there would be bodies in the room or, or was there a bit more of a mix? It's a bit more of a mix. I mean, I, I, it's always hard because in an auction room, there'd be observers and there'd be people that you wouldn't necessarily see bidding and they disappeared. But we, we estimated that at a residential auction, we'd have anywhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people through the room throughout the day. In terms of what we would call remote bids, so that's the telephone bids, proxy bids uh, and internet bids, that could range anywhere between 300 and 600 bids per auction. And to be honest with you, over my career, that level of remote bidding had definitely increased over the years and it was becoming becoming uh, 
more and more frequent for people to use telephones and internet. I have to say that the, the telephone bids were far more popular than internet bidding, although internet bidding was becoming more popular slowly but surely. John, can I just turn to you? What was what was your experience um, before the pandemic as well? Had you had you engaged much online, or were you were you strictly in the room? Or? From a buying point of view, we mm. would either bid in the room or over the telephone. Right. So fairly straightforward. Um, prefer to be in the room because then you can see who you're bidding against, your competition. At the end of the day, you can have a chat, share figures, and see who, who why they paid what they did, and so forth. From a, from a buying point of view, sorry, a selling point of view, if we were selling more than two properties, I would probably go to the room. If not, I would sit at my desk and watch the auction online. So, um, so I versed with this sitting in the in, in the office watching an auction, and and but I would never bid online. I would have picked up the telephone if we were to bid. And how about how about for you, Jess? Um, you're you're described my little bio here. You are described succinctly as. The man in the room. Um, yeah. Are you always the man well, in the room? Have you ever, before the pandemic, did you ever go remotely? Or um, We probably had the odd telephone bid here or there, but 99.9% we were in the room. Uh, just you could sort of get a buzz on the day of how, how you kind of thought the market was on the day. And you could see after any major sort of event in like politically or whatever it could be, any turbulence, you could see it on the day, you could feel it. And you could think, actually, today I want to buy. Um, we were quite quite big on buying blind, if I'm honest with you. Um, you know, something looked cheap enough, we'd put our hand up and buy it. Uh, it's not something we can do anymore because I have to be registered to about 30 different lots and give about 30 deposits before I even attempt to buy anything. Um, but that part, of, yeah, and we sold a lot of people, uh, properties to people who bought blindly as well. So, you know, some someone missed out on something and it ended up buying a supermarket we're selling because it was something similar. Um, the other thing is, yeah, I, I agree with um, John that we used to be able to go and talk to people, see why they paid something for, you know, what they bought it for. Sometimes it was just that they were the neighbour and sometimes, you know, people just bought, paid it for, God, sometimes God knows why, to be honest with you, but, you know, it, it was interesting. You get a bit of market feedback and info and you see all your peers and people from your industry on a regular basis, which I think keeps your mind fresh. And that seems like a vital part of it, doesn't it? You've both mentioned that sort of market intelligence and also being able to read the room. I mean, that that must be far more difficult to do, if impossible to do, when you're in an online function. But we'll we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, I, I'm looking again, going back, but as the pandemic kicked in, Richard, you were saying about how quickly you had to adapt. Can you just give us a, a sense of that again? Well, as I say, we had as a firm probably the best part of 450 properties out in the market with between seven and 10 days before an auction. So there's a lot of technical challenges there in terms of actually using a platform that could actually support that. Um, fortunately, we already had a, a partner that we could lean on to do that. We'd used it in the past when we were in with the other online auctions prior to that. Um, so that was reasonably straightforward. But what was really challenging was obviously educating and relaying the messaging to the buyers and the sellers as to how it will work. Um, but, you know, again, it was more of a time sensitive issue there, you know, seven days to do that. So getting everything in line whereby buyers understood how they were bid, what they had to do, the hoops they had to jump through and the vendors understanding what was happening was the biggest challenge. Um, but there on after, it's been reasonably smooth. There's been regular changes. I think you will probably move on to that later on. There's been 
opportunity month on month, week on week to to fine tune mm. things, polish things and get it slicker and better and easier for everybody, to be honest with you. Was there ever a concern that you would just have to pull the auction, that, that it, you might not be able to get there in time or that it would have to be just delayed, postponed? It, it was certainly, and I think all the partners had it in their brain. No one said it. Though. <laughs> was that, that was the, 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 the grin through it. Yeah. And you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. For, for both of you, for, for John and Jess, how, how quickly do you think you adapted to this, this new world? Uh, let's go with John first. For, for us, it, 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 not much of a change, really. The, the buying is, is, is there's more of a change, obviously, because, as Jess said, there's lots more rigmarole you have to jump through to be able to make a bid in the first place. Mm. Um, but, no, instruct the auctioneer, they sell it. It completes. It's, it's a fairly that's easy process. Um, but, for, yeah, from a, from a buying and selling point of view, as I said, I look at things slightly differently. But, um, but selling, not a difference. Buying, slightly more paperwork. And Jess, how about you? Did you find yeah. that it was an adaptation? Oh, it was an adaptation, but it wasn't too bad. I, I've got to put my give my hat off and say, you know, also they did manage to put that auction out, get online very quickly. You know, I think some auctioneers did end up cancelling that auction. Um, and, you know, they provided the platform that was still, you know, that auction contract is what, for someone like me, is very important. So from a selling point of view, uh, no real change, maybe maybe different profile of buyers, um, mm. but from a selling point of view, you know, nothing really changed. That contract was there, the timeframes were there. And if people wanted to buy your property, they still can. Uh, from a buying point of view, the issues we had are basically a lot of our client, bank, client base are much older and trying to get them registered online. They find it tedious, send money from the bank. You know, also normally they would phone us up in a room and just say, can you go and buy this? Um, we still have to register for them. So they still have to give me all the documentation and send that deposit in advance. So I, I definitely think there's a lot, you know, a lot fewer buyers for certain stuff. And I think the thing I noticed was, you know, if you had a proper auction grade property, you know, it was always going to fly. But anything a little bit tricky is a bit harder when you don't have that full market of people uh, to come and buy. That's an interesting point. Did you did you see that yourself, Richard? That the um, the things that would sell, the things that would sell for certain amounts that you would you would expect to go for something, were that changed, or the demographic of people coming forward changed? It's a very difficult one to answer, just in terms of isolating the two different methods of sale, if you like, or two different platforms. And the reason hmm. I say that is that the pandemic itself had other repercussions to the market, and particularly in the resi sector. Um, in part due to, to COVID, in part due to the fact that we'd just come through Brexit elections and what have you, and the market was sort of gearing up to take off, really, in many people's eyes. Um, the resi market really took off right at that pandemic, much to everyone's surprise, to be honest with you. And still looking back, it's quite hard to understand why it did so much. You know, obviously there was stamp duty relief and various other factors that, that assisted it. So we were busier than we'd ever been before in terms of the number of people wanting to buy property. I mean, it was extraordinary the, the level of inquiries we were getting. So it's very hard for me to step back even now and say that the online platform made it easier or harder for people to bid because we were just that busy. And, and it was straight after the pandemic, you know, straight into sort of May time, it got really busy. Um, but having said that, I do accept that, you know, it was a big change for a lot of people and it was you know in many ways down to generations as well as to how easy that transition was going to be you know people that are ingrained in the in the auction in the auction market have been for years irrespective of age to a degree 
do love being in the room and they're very comfortable in that environment. It is their environment, it is their office. Um, and, and therefore taking that away because we had to made it very challenging for them. And it, you know, it's it's um it's a lonely business if you're doing it just online. And like they say, you know, we as auctioneers, being in a room, Jess is right, you know, you could feel you could almost touch it. You know, I could as an auctioneer, I could walk into the room at nine o'clock and I'd have a reasonable guess if it's gonna be a good day or a bad day just by the atmosphere. And, and you don't get that so much. I mean, I suppose we do get some of that as auctioneers by the level of inquiries people we're talking to and all the rest of it, but it, it, it has changed that dynamic to know how well it's going to go. But people adapt. People adapt very, very quickly. Um, it is just trying to get that balance right and trying to make sure it's as inclusive as possible for, for everybody. Um, so I understand it all, and I'm sort of stuck in the middle because, you know, my, my role here, and if I'm being solely selfish, I miss the room dearly, you know, but being an auctioneer was the best and most fun part of my job, and I love doing it, and that's been taken away. But if you if you take the emotion out of it and then try and do what's right for the buyers and sellers and follow the market, that's really what we have to do. I think that's a good lead into to, to where we are now, that slowly things are coming back. Um, I mean, we're seeing with with all sorts of workplaces that people are being encouraged to go back, that we're being encouraged to not go back to things as, as the old normal, but find a new normal. Is that something that's happening with, with auction rooms? Is it something that should? Let's, uh, let's go for, well, we'll go for Jess first. What do you think? Do you think that, um, that we should be going straight back into the room? Well, I, I think when it's safe to do so, and I think, I think probably this winter, I think if uh, we can get through, no more restrictions and hopefully next year people will be confident and feel good about going back to a room. I mean, generally I go out quite a lot and things are getting back to normal in terms of people being out and the, the confidence in being out. Um, but I think, you know, we need to get through winter and hopefully there's no severe restrictions put in place and, you know, the confidence comes from that. Um, you don't want to get, you don't want to open up auctions again and then next year you find out you're doing it back online. Um, but, but as soon but, as you safely can. I think so. And I think I think the model will be, you know, Internet bidding was always there. Um, it was a bit different to the way Allsop do it now, where you have two hours to buy a property, uh, whereas before it was you just got to be there for that that 10 minutes that they're selling it. But I think that 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 option is always there for people. Phone is there and property is about people, you know, people within the industry. It's about people. That's where you get your deals from. That's where you buy. That's where you sell. And in the room is where you meet people not just from my point being selfish as a buyer and a seller, but also people come into the room will will see a face at Allsop and feel comfortable to discuss, you know, I've got a property in Bridlington, for example, and you've just sold one there. Let me let me talk to you about selling selling this one, you know? I it's think that organic it's, feeling, isn't it? That that yeah that organic way of doing business. You can't well, in my experience you can't really do it online. What about you, John? Do you think that as soon as you can you'll be wanting to head back into the room or have you found a, a new way of doing business that you quite like? Uh, I prefer being in the room, um, but I'm not keen to go rushing back there, to be totally honest with you. Um, I want it to get back because I, I do believe they will achieve better prices there. Um, there. There have been two ballroom auctions in London this year, um, yeah. which uh, and we went to one for a bit of consumer research. Um, and two of our properties sold when we were there to people in the room. So there is a market. Um, so I'm not sure what the other two properties did during that day. But as I said, there is a market for it. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm a Chelsea fan. I went to watch football the other day. I'm there with 42,000 people, but reluctant to go and sit in an auction room with <laughs> 700. Maybe a bit silly, but um, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, 
I, th- I suppose in an enclosed environment, yeah, I'm not so keen, but I do believe the ballroom is the best way to go. I think we're all in that agreement in all honesty. That's a traditional um, and it's not just about selling properties, it's about buying as well for us and also building relationships and doing deals with people that we know. And yeah, it's uh, it's the way forward. Richard? Um, I think John had both those, uh, both Jess and John make the points that I would have made. I think John makes a really interesting point there, which he sort of suggests a bit daft, but I don't think it is daft at all. I think you're absolutely right. People going to concerts, going to restaurants, going to bars, going to football, whatever it might be. It'd be interesting to see how that pans out because you're right we monitored the same two auctions actually it was equally poorly attended in terms of in terms of not numbers and volume now I'm not suggesting that that's going to be the case moving on into the spring because I agree with Jess I think we've got to get winter out of the way I think it's got to be a safe environment and it's got to ideally as Boris would say you know it's, it's no going back from there you know we're, we're going to go into the room and stay there so you don't want to keep flip-flopping in and out but I think what's interesting is that people may take the view that from a social point of view and from an entertainment point of view they're happy to take those risks because it's good for their mental health it's because they want to socialize again and do that but when it comes to conducting business they might not um only time will tell and there'll be a number of people and maybe it's a generational thing as well the younger generation who aren't prepared to spend that much time in an auction room don't want to spend the time on the train coming down when they can bid online to do it so it'll be really fascinating to see how it pans out I mean just to pick up on another point that, that everybody's really made and, and it really affects us as well as you're absolutely right we don't want to become a faceless business and, and Jess is right you know property is about people and relationships and trust actually and you gain trust in people by meeting them seeing their body language looking them in the eye have a conversation with them and the, and the room's a great forum for that and always has been for us and you're right as well, just from a networking point of view and from a business point of view, you sell something, someone's immediately up to you saying, you know, I've got something similar. Can we talk? So whatever happens, you know, as a firm, our intention is to stay and be led by the market, really, and make sure we provide a platform for what people want. But what we can't afford to do and won't do is become faceless and not not supplement that with seeing people, meeting people. And if that means doing something different, then we've got to get our thinking caps on. All three of you seem to have... Um have a, a sort of a relationship with one another that you know you you know each other through business you know each other through do you, do you know each other through the room is that how you've you've met yes i haven't met There's, richard i haven't met john yet but we've probably been in the room together probably <laughs> probably we, we, yeah we, we, we i don't think we're in competition put it that way no yeah. i'm normally i'm normally at the back watching what's going on i normally stand to the side there we go yeah. yes. <laughs> there you go now you know how to find each other yeah. or avoid each other yeah <laughs> But that's I think that's that's fascinating, isn't it? That 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 those relationships, that that um, understanding of each other is is clear. And I wonder if that can be forged virtually, if that can be forged down a, a team's link or you know, over a call. I don't think I don't think it can personally. I've, I've had a year or whatever it is of Zoom meetings with uh, it's OK with people, you know um but with new people it's very two-dimensional you don't get that handshake you don't get you know like richard said body language you can't really mm. it's very flat you, you kind of finish the call and then you sort of move on to whatever you're doing uh you don't really feel like someone's left the left their mark on you uh, and i think when you meet someone in real that's where you have a chance to sort of you know deliver your personality deliver things about you that only comes from meeting someone in really you know i, I found that quite evident over the last year and a half and uh, being back out again you start seeing you're picking up more deals more stock because you're meeting people again and bumping into yeah. people is there a flip side to that 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 you're um that you have the advantage of um 
like just before we came on the call, uh, you were saying that you're in Dubai at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, it helps being able to do stuff like this. It's a good facilitator of um, of being able to do things. Uh, I definitely think, you know, things online, obviously, look, you can be anywhere in the world, yeah. the online auction. But I think it sort of all goes hand in hand. Um, you know, we've got the technology, so you've got to use it when and when required. Richard was just wanting to come in and say something then. Yeah, it, it's a complete balance. And I think that analogy of Zoom calls and meetings fits in with the room to a degree as well, is that, you know, mm. it does help. You know, Jess is in Dubai now, so we can meet and have these conversations. However, it's an addition to meeting people, if you like. And there's, for, for me, there'll be the odd meeting now that actually it's not worth jumping on a train to Manchester yeah. with Zoom. And that's better than being on the phone and not seeing somebody. But there are okay. It's getting the balance right. Occasions where it needs to be face to face, whether it's whether it's an auction, whether it's a coffee, whether it's lunch. That you know, you need to get the balance right. And I think that's the benefit. You know, that's the positives we should take from COVID. Is having more flexibility about our time and how we conduct business. I I agree, and I, I'm all for technology. But there is nothing like sitting in an auction room with Richard staring at you saying, come on, John, give me another thousand pounds. <laughs> and you can almost intimidate people into doing it. I mean, maybe not so much the, the professional buyers, but the the non-professional buyers. And if you if you've I'm sure you've all seen Homes Under the Hammer when they do it and they're a little bit cheeky yeah. with someone. And yeah, it's uh, there's nothing. I mean, I love meeting people face to face. I think you get a much better um, sense of what they're about and whether or not you want to do business with them. All for technology, and as I said, you're in Dubai. I'm sitting in a poor office in Southgate. I mean, it's um, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. I think I'd rather be there, but there we go. That's a that's a good point, isn't it? That um, the the ability of the auctioneer to to intimidate or encourage um, maybe a a higher bid, or it's that thing about buzz, isn't it? That you're talking about before those those in the flesh in the ballroom uh, auctions that have have been happening recently. Do they, are they able to get that buzz? Don't, do you need a critical mass of people, which we're not going to get anytime very soon, in order for that to happen? I, yeah, I think you need, obviously, you know, when, when you had a full room or sometimes it wasn't full and that's where you, you sort of realise, I need to get my property. So, I mean, Richard's seen me doing some weird things in the auction when I when I feel like uh, I feel like the market's not good that day. I'll make him, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him what I think and I need to get my property sold. But, um, you know, sometimes I walked into that room first thing in the morning and I thought, you know what, I don't have a good feeling about today. And I, I've got a deal done with someone who's at, who's in the room said, Jess, do you want to sell your property? And, you know, I've just said, OK, let's just do it because my, my gut tells me today I don't feel like I'm going to get 20 bidders on it. Um, but even online is a bit different. We, we sold a few banks uh, in a couple of one of the also commercial auctions recently. We had eight registered bidders for each. So all of these guys had gone through the tedious checks and put 10 grand down each. But for both banks, no one bid. And then they had a bidding war after the auction. It was surreal. You just couldn't understand why why they didn't bid. I think maybe they thought that timer gets to the bottom and you know, I, I don't know what happened. But it was, it was just odd. You'd think they've gone through all the checks, they'd bid on the day and finish it off. But that little war after, it was just, it was surreal. Do you think do you we're going to see? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry no, I was just going to say, do you not think the reg, re, the way the reg, the auction is regulated by the auctioneer on the rostrum, uh, there, there doesn't seem any regulation when they're bidding online because you're letting people just go to when they want to bid rather than when Richard's saying, "Come on, there, you need to bid," and one going once, going twice. Yeah. That is the, the the inspiration for them to actually put their hand up again. Um, when yeah, it's the down there. twenty, to, yeah, when it's counting down to thirty seconds, I have to say it's a bit tedious. 
Yeah, and I think also the first time, I think a lot of these new buyers, you know, I remember first seeing the first auction online and I, and I was talking to Mark Gower. He said, there's a timer. I said, why don't I just wait for the last second and put the bid in and hopefully I'll just nick it. And he said, you can't just, there's an extension that will keep happening every time someone bids in the last minute for another half a minute. And I thought, okay, I've got this relationship with you, Mark, where I, you know, I speak to you 20 times a day, so I can ask you about this. But every other new buyer is probably thinking, I'll just wait till the last second and hopefully I get it. Or if it doesn't sell, I'll pick it up after. And you like see you when mean. you watch, yeah, and when you watch the lots <laughs> online, you know, they don't t- tend to have many bids at the beginning, but it just goes mad in the last five minutes where everyone's like, okay, let me bid now, let me bid now. Um, but yeah, you don't have someone enticing you out of you, you're left to your own your own judgment on that. Is there a way, and Richard, I'll come to you first on this, is, is there a way to combine these these um, elements, the, the favourable elements of both more strongly? I mean, you, you touched on briefly how, how things changed month by month, that there were gradual incremental improvements that that people started to get a better understanding of how online could work and could work well but is there is there more that we can do to try and tie in exactly what John and Jess have been talking about the things that they need and love about being in the room with an online experience I think there's yeah absolutely I think there, there is over time we've changed a lot over time and Jess is alluding to what we call the sniping uh, they call it eBay call it sniping it's where people wait for the last second and try to want a bit of phrase nick it um, I mean we've all got some good stuff off eBay doing that haven't we, haven't we? <laughs> so I don't have a look at that's why I don't like online <laughs> um, so that just prevents you from doing that in terms of it extended by 20 seconds and you're right initially I think when we first launched it was 30 seconds or a minute and it was tedious and that's been tapered down a little bit and, and what have you but you know, being an auctioneer again you know how many times I've got to reserve and about to knock it down you know first second third time as I go to put the hammer down 10 hands go up mm. you know that was the case in the room people thought if I wait till last minute I've got an advantage it just doesn't work that way and so the online tries to replicate what an auction is trying to do I, I force the issue and, and force people's hands in terms of ask your question about you know, where do we go from here in terms of getting the best of both. I think what's really important to highlight, and we haven't touched on it yet, is the data side of things. It might be the more boring part of it, but but John and Jess, I guess, will see this as vendors, is that part of the excitement was the of the room was the unknown for the auctioneer and for the sellers and the buyers. How many bidders would there be? Would they sell it? How much would it go for? But also for some sellers, that wasn't exciting. That was the leap into the unknown and the risk, if you like. A lot of what we do now, um, it, it mitigates that risk and sellers don't go into an auction quite so blind in other words you know we will know how many people are registered with ten thousand pound bid of security in our client account and i can say to jess or john look you know we've got six or ten bidders it's going to be absolutely fine it's going to go flying above reserve fine equally we can say to them we haven't got any bidders you know the market's not supporting the price so you should withdraw it or reduce the price and do that so that is one of the huge benefits of everyone having to come through the same way in terms of bidding and having to register fully is that these guys can benefit as can we from that raw data that actually does tell you something so it's less less sort of going into the, into the dark if you like one thing though richard is uh, we don't get lunch out of it though <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, you, I you could order uber online eat, yeah uber eats vouchers <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, I, and that, the social side, I know we covered that and, and that, you know, that is irreplaceable. But in terms of where you go from that and getting the right, some auctioneers, and I'll be actually more interested in John and Jesse's view on it, is that some auctioneers have done what they call a hybrid, whereby an auctioneer is streamed and bidding is pretty much online only, perhaps yeah. with telephone bidding on there. 
and I've had real mixed views. We haven't done it. Jess and, and John, I know, would have bought and sold from auctioneers that are using that hybrid method, for want of a better phrase. And I'd like their views really on that to understand what they think it's it's like. From a purely, purely selfish point of view, you, they, and from selling, they can, they can take as long as they like on that hybrid method. Um, because, but I think it's a very tedious method. It's, um, it goes on forever, particularly when you're waiting for the telephone to ring, the, the, um, the internet bidding to, to, to start. Um, but from a buying point of view, it just, it just takes too long. Um, you're, 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 you're trying to. Get the, get the bidding going and, and there's people waiting on, on online um, who don't have your enthusiasm just to get the bid the, the deal done um, so it's yeah I look at it from two different points of view as I said bid all day long if you have to as long as you get the best price for our disposals but not for not for our acquisitions. How about you Jess? Um, I think the the one thing I like about it is you've got an auctioneer there sort of engaging yeah. and uh, I think that's an important part of the process um, you know, that is auctioneering. Um, the, it is a bit longer, definitely, because it is made up of phone bids and trying to connect with people. Um, whereas the, whereas the all-sort method at the moment, you've got a big window to buy something. And even if you've got one hour difficulties connecting, you'll get there in the end and, and the property is still available. But also, you know, you know, I alluded to something, I, I bought a pub, the Blind Beggar in Whitechapel, uh, blindly in an auction. And uh, and the guy, yeah, and the guy um, missed his train, um, and I accidentally bumped into this guy randomly at a viewing the next day, and he wanted to buy it, but we got it cheap that day just because he missed his train. If you don't have connection, you don't have connection. It's the same thing. It's the beauty of an auction. If you're in it to win it, you'll get it. Well, looking to the future now. So um, past uh, past the winter, past whatever else COVID might throw at us, when we return to some semblance of normality. How do you see this going forward? Richard, you were saying that there was already an increase in online before the pandemic. Now, obviously, we've had the experience of the pandemic, which has changed that. Um, just starting with you, um, what do you think think is going to be happening, let's say, in a year's time, two years' time? I mean, it's something that's been hotly debated in the industry. There's buyers, sellers, auctioneers, everyone's got an opinion on it. And, and there is a real element of crystal ball gazing. But my view is that you, we need to find a middle ground where there is a not a huge step back from what we've learned and what we've done um, in terms of the, the online model. I, I think that, that there's a place for both. And a place for both, I don't think, is a hybrid version of it. You are either in the room or it's online only, in my view. I think if you try to make it streamed and a bit of both, you'll get it wrong from a technical point of view. It's very, very tricky. You need to trip yourself up. And believe me, I know it because we've looked into how you do that and it's very technically difficult. So I wouldn't be surprised. And again, we're monitoring it. Once there's a take up, there'll be a need to go back to the room. We'll, we'll, we'll be doing that. But I suspect what will happen is people or, or auctioneers might say, actually, we'll do a bit of both. You know, we have eight, you know, for Allsop as a firm, we have eight residential auctions and seven commercials, so 15 auctions a year. That's, you know, that's one, one, one a month or more. Why not have the eight auctions have five online and three in the room and make them big events so that you can, you know, it might be winter, you don't have them in the room because people are conscious about germs and flu and, and all the rest of it. It might be having ones that aren't the school holidays. So I think that's it needs to be some common sense and flexibility so that we still have that platform, that forum, because all of us 
whether you're auctioneers or whether you're buyers or sellers or both, miss that forum. But I think it would be remiss to go back and have eight auctions in a room that are half empty or very empty forums because that, that doesn't do what the auction room is supposed to do. That's, that's kind of where I am at the moment. What do you think, um, John and Jess, just looking from your point of view, if, if that were a, a model that, that took off, would that then allow you to think, oh, well, actually, we think that this particular property would do better from a selling point of view in that sort of forum. But what about from a from a buying point of view? Let, let's see if you can expand on that. John, do you want to go first? From a buying point of view, we go to the auction room or we will go to we will stick, stay online. It really depends where the, the, the properties are. Um, so as Richard pointed out, if they if they did a, a winter auction, for argument's sake, and it had to be online, I'd sit in the office. If, if I had to come down to the room, I come to the room. Uh, it's go- going forward. Or if you look back, we had choice when the first auctioneer went um, one of the one of the London auctioneers went totally online. We had choice to go to other auctioneers who were still in the mm. ballroom. And that's what we did. Now. It's fallen on all the other auctioneers' laps where they had to go into the into the online forum. And now the big choice is, do you want to go back? I appreciate it's probably cheaper to just stay online for them. They don't have to print capital. They don't have to hire a room. Um, but as Jess said right at the beginning, there's a lot of traditional people out there who still like going sitting in the room. They still like flipping through a catalogue. And a lot of the big auctioneers have stopped giving the catalogues out. They, I mean, I, I think also at one stage that about a quarter of a million people on a mailing list. I appreciate you can email that, but I know people who don't have email addresses because they're of a certain age and they're not technically proficient. Mm. And there is so, something about the the feel of the physical, isn't there? Even you, I'm sure Richard will, will, will vouch as well. You see people there every auction just writing notes in a book. And I've always thought you on the catalogue, and I always want to go up to them. Why are you here? You're here mm. for five hours. You're here longer than I am. Why are you doing this? But as I said, they got their own reasons for being there. Who knows who they are? Um, it might just be just... warmer than train spotting. <laughs> uh, quite possibly, yes. You can't do that virtually, can you? But yeah. <laughs> uh, Jess, how about you? Um, I do. I do miss my catalogue. I had nothing to do on the flight to Dubai, and normally I sit there and write notes on every property. So when I'm in the room, when I'm in the room, if something looks cheap, I can have a good gla- quick glance at my catalogue, see if there's a break clause or not, and buy it. Um, I did have this chat with Mark Gower uh, yesterday. Was, how do I do that now? I'm on a flight, um, but. Uh, Jess, look, I Jess, think download the app, Jess. You can I can't. It. I can't write my notes. I can't write my notes on there, and flick through it while the property is selling. You know, I'm, we're spontaneous buyers. You know, we we buy on on a whim and it just looks cheap. But uh, well, we this, can't do this, that. This technology is always changing, so maybe that's the next yeah. step. You know, you, yeah. you can do it on the app and make notes. In fact, yeah. I see well, Richard is Richard is making a note of that as we is, speak. Is. Yeah, I actually. Um, but. You know, I don't. I don't think the other two hundred fifty thousand need a catalogue. Just me, please. That'll be good enough. Um, <laughs> or just the two of us, if you can. Yeah, exactly. John will take one too. In terms of going back to some sort of hybrid, is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, well, the possibility of that, and whether that would change um, I th- what I think you Richard's, looked for where. Yeah, I think Richard's absolutely right. I mean, look, if it's online, we'll be online. We're still going to buy. If it's if it's uh, offline and in the room, we'll be more than happy to be there. Um, I think when it comes to a lot of it is about numbers. You don't want to be in a situation where you've got 25 people in a room and uh, the rest are all online. Speaking to all the kind of regulars and all our industry guys, you know, they all want to be back in the room at some point. So I don't feel there will be a complete miss. But, yeah, obviously some one-time buyers may may not. And I know a lot of people who do buy properties are one-off buyers. Um, yeah. You know, if they've got the option, they've got the option. 
but only time will tell. And I, and I do think people like getting out and wanting to be out and just bumping into people. Sometimes it's, it's good for your mental health um, and it's good to just be out. Richard? I, I think there's, um, I completely agree with Jess, but I think there's also a sector difference as well in terms of residential and commercial. I mean, predominantly mm. commercial sector is professional buyers and sellers. Resi, Resi does... Uh, go across to the you know to, to end users both sellers um, and buyers and I think what we've noticed and it's anecdotal rather than anything backed up with stats but we've noticed a big difference in the number of end users and what we call amateur investors that now now will buy through the online platform and in part that's due to where they're located and they've got the time to leave work and go down to London and bid and in other parts it's it's the intimidation factor of being in that busy atmosphere where they were probably scared to bid and not know what to do. Mm-hmm. So some of those boundaries have come down to make it easy. So it's, it's an important point because, as I say, Resi is, is, is in the sector whereby we deal with the general public far, far more. Um, so you have to sort of bear that in mind as, as well. It's fascinating how it will pan out. And I think we've all learned so much from that. And, and I hate to hate not to learn from those lessons and make things better going forward. So I think this is, this is a good place to wrap up. Um, the the thing that I want to ask you, I think it's I think it's possibly going to be a redundant question, but I want to ask it anyway, is how much are each of you as ballroom junkies? I mean, more attached to the ballroom than the most avid Strictly fan. How how keen are you to get back? How much have you missed it? Immensely. Yeah, yes, fully, fully missed it. Yes. There's a social aspect. Uh, there's there's the, the excitement of watching young first time buyers buy stuff. There's the excitement of buying stuff yourself. There's the excitement of getting a price you never thought you'd achieve in an auction. Um, yeah, selling stuff that in the, the, in the back of beyond that you've been to see and you think, who the hell wants to live there? Um, and someone wants it. So, yeah, it's it's good to see the, 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 the people, not just us buying and selling, but other people buying and selling as well. It do, does give you a buzz. And I, how about for you, Richard? I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's it's... For those that haven't been, it's probably hard to understand what we're so excited about. But it's like being at the theatre, but there's no script. And you turn up there and I can tell you, and Jess and John will, will be able to tell you all sorts of stories, as, as can I, of the weird and wonderful things and people you see in an auction room and things that happen. And maybe they happen whilst we're online, but we don't see it. Um, and it's the most thrilling, exciting part of the part of the, um, of the job for me. And I think what's really important is that in property, there are often than not transactions happen and they happen with a lawyer signing a contract and that's that and you get a phone call or an email it is the only method of sale where the buyer seller agent auctioneer are looking eye to eye when it exchanges it's pretty exciting and it's 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 something i dearly miss from a selfish point of view i loved being on the rostrum i loved engaging with people i felt rightly or wrongly i might be able to coax more money out of people by being there and um, it's a great place to be and, and I, I wouldn't want to lose it forever. So we've got to get the balance right um, of, of technology, of people and of that event. Well, it does seem that the comparison between live theatre and I guess what's the what's the online equivalent watching Netflix on your own? <laughs> they both have their place, don't they? But yeah, missing the, the live theatre. Richard, John, Jess. Thank you very much. Um, I'm just going to sign off by saying going once, going twice. (laughs) That's the end. Thank you very much for listening and thank you for joining us. (laughs)